Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. All right, today we've got the story of First Lieutenant Roger Smith. Lieutenant Smith was a United States Marine serving as a mortar platoon leader with Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines, part of the 1st part of the first Provisional Marine Brigade, a unit that would see heavy combat during the Second Battle of Guam, the event we're going to talk about here. The Second Battle of Guam took place in July and August 1944 in the Pacific Theater of World War II against the Japanese forces. It's called the Second Battle because there was a First Battle. Now, if you look up the Battle of Guam, you're likely going to come across the second battle that we're going to talk about here. The first battle took place in just for, it was very short in the first days of the war, the first, maybe the first day of the war, December 8th, 1941. So one day after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Japanese forces stationed in Saipan, just a short distance from Guam, strike the American units at Guam and over the course of the next couple days, kill 17, wound 35, and capture about 400. They take the island pretty easily. I mean, that they didn't hardly send 500 men ashore at one point, and they were making progress. So the United States was not prepared to defend these islands in December 1941. We didn't necessarily know we were going to need to defend these islands from a Japanese assault. Nonetheless, the First Battle of Guam wraps up pretty quickly. 1941. And then it's overshadowed, quite frankly. It happened, you know, a day after Pearl Harbor, the United States, the the entire population is still wrestling with what just happened to the entire Pacific fleet and we're at war. Um, So a conflict on an island called Guam, which most Americans probably hadn't even heard of when the casualties are a fraction of what we experienced at Pearl Harbor, it just, it hasn't seared itself into American memory, into our history, like with, like Pearl Harbor, of course. And then like the second battle of Guam. So in turn, this is kind of referred to as the battle of Guam that takes place in July, 1944. The battle of Guam is part of the overall operation forager operation forager is the United States move into the Mariana Islands. So when you look at a map, the United States during the course of World War II in the Pacific Theater is moving generally from Hawaii towards the Japanese main islands. We don't have, airplanes can only fly a certain distance. Ships can only sail a certain distance. Um, The supply lines are only so long before it becomes untenable. To continue the war against Japan, we have to get closer and closer and closer to their main, to the main islands. So as you'll see throughout the course of the war, it's a slow and steady movement west. Operation Forager is going to be the designated operation to take the Mariana Islands, and it's going to move us within range of the Philippines and within range of the southern Japanese islands. Think Okinawa. Operation Forager is going to take it's going to include four separate major battles that we think of today. There's Saipan, Guam, Tinian, Peleliu, and Angor. 
Some of these are more known than others. Some of them were larger than others. Saipan kicked off first in mid-June and took a, about a month before we would say American forces controlled the island. We have a little time to regroup. And on 21 July, American forces hit the, hit the beaches on Guam to take back this island from what is now a 22,000 strong Japanese force. So Saipan saw some brutal fighting, but the Japanese have been in control of Saipan for some time. They had airfields there. They had, it was closer to Japanese territory than a lot of these other islands. Guam was not. So they still had time to defend the island and build their defenses in three years, a little less, I guess, about two and a half years to prepare the island, which is still plenty of time. And they defended it well. A couple things also to keep in mind with the Battle of Guam. A few days prior, or about a month prior, as the Battle of Saipan was kicking off, was when the event known as the Mariana Turkey Shoot takes place. And the Mariana Turkey Shoot, or the Battle of the Philippine Sea, is when the Japanese Navy took a gamble and went after the American fleet after they'd landed at Saipan and decided this is going to be our chance to knock them out of the war. They miscalculated the America, it was a it was a stunning one sided victory for the Americans, and it just about it's you know it's always risky saying this, but it was kind of the death blow of sorts to the Japanese war effort. It was a, it the American fleet knocked back the Jap- Japanese Navy so much during the Mariana Turkey shoot in in late June 1944 that the Navy wouldn't be able to resupply their troops holding islands like. Guam or Peleliu. So look at it a couple different ways. Good for the Americans that the it's a net positive, but there's there's a twist to it. The Japanese aren't going to be able to defend, aren't going to be able to hold on forever. If they can't resupply at scale, it's just a matter of time. Strategically, that's positive. However, when you corner somebody like this and they have no option of resupply, they have no option for rescue, you're going to see a different type of battle. This took place, certainly in Saipan, you saw some of the largest and most extreme bonsai suicide charges of the war. And a month later, American forces land at Guam and can expect the same treatment that we saw on Saipan. So on Guam, 21 July, 1944, Lieutenant Roger Smith lands with his platoon of mortarmen. Now, as mortarmen, they're not going to land in the first wave. They're going to land very close to the first wave. So especially if they're, you know, 60 millimeter mortarmen, you want them tied in tightly with the men up front. As you get a little larger in caliber, if it's an 81 or larger, they might be a little bit further back. But Smith is pretty early on in these waves and his guys his mortars are meant to support the guys in the front lines, you know, the tip of the spear engaging Japanese forces on the Guam beaches. As he hits the island, he notices a wounded Marine that's, you know, essentially stranded. He's stuck near a Japanese pillbox or emplacement that's firing on American troops, but the Marine can't move. He's wounded, but he can't move. If he gets up and moves, he's going to be cut down by this bunker. So Smith halts his men and decides that he's going to rescue this Marine that's cut off. Now, to do so, he has to destroy the bunker. I mean, there's no way to get to this Marine 
and pull him out of harm's way without reducing the bunker first. So he sets his sights on doing so. He assaults the bunker, alternating between rifle fire, throwing grenades, and even using a flamethrower to try to flesh the Japanese defenders out. He's mortally wounded, but continues pushing forward until he clears the bunker, saves the Marine. One man show, pushing forward, clearing this bunker. The Marine is saved that he saw. Lieutenant Roger Smith is killed, dies of his wounds. But taking out that bunker opened up a new area on the beach that allowed additional American forces to press inwards on the island. For his actions, for sacrificing his life and his bravery in taking out that active, dug-in Japanese strongpoint, Lieutenant Roger Smith would be awarded the Navy Cross. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.